Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, the no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today on the show, we have Darren Canthal with the Canthal Group Candid Career Coaching. Welcome, Darren. Thank you, Lee. It's good to be here. Well, I am excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about Candid Career Coaching. How are you serving folks? You know, there's a little bit of a story, of course, um, and without being too long-winded, my story starts in corporate America, which, quite frankly, was not my place. Um, arguably, I was too candid. I would say I had a lack of discretion during that time frame. And what I felt like I experienced in corporate America was uh, don't talk about real problems, talk about surface stuff and move forward. And uh, I didn't grow up that way. Uh, in my house, we talked about conversations and we were deep about the things we talked about. And so my coaching practice, I get to, I hope it's okay to curse. I get to cut through the bullshit, uh, talk about the real things and help people move forward. Now, um, what drew you initially to this corporate kind of career? Like, so you were going through, you know, high school, college, you, you were aiming at a corporate and then you realized once you were there that that wasn't a right fit or was it something you were kind of like on autopilot? This is what people like me do. We get a job at corporate. You know, interestingly enough, um, my father was an entrepreneur my whole life. And he passed away in 1997, in August. I graduated college in December of 97. And no joke, my, my dad's side of the family is Jewish. So at his shiva, my uncle, who's like five foot four, Puerto Rican guy, strong as an ox, said to me, you're going to run your dad's business. And, you know, being in shock that my father was passed, I was like, yeah, I'm sure I could do it. And he held me by the shoulders and looked me in the face and said, no, you are going to run your father's business. And that 30 second exchange was it. Meaning I finished my last semester of college and I took over my dad's business. So when I left college, I was an entrepreneur from the gate or out of the gate. Um, you know, my story's got some sympathy in there. I, I had a house fire a couple of years later. I lost all of my stuff, personal and professional um, truth be known is the business was a dying breed and I let it go. And without much of an idea of what to do next, I found myself in corporate America, stayed there for, I don't know, 15 or 18 years. And without knowing it, I had this entrepreneurial burning inside of me or this entrepreneurial spirit. And in my last corporate gig, I had a, um, a boss, my last boss, who was the worst boss of my entire career. And I hired my own career coach and my words to her were, I got to figure out how to play nice in these sandboxes. And the sandboxes are corporate America and these bosses that I didn't respect. And her words to me were, maybe you should change the sandbox. So just like the words of Uncle Ralph, a 30 second exchange with my coach led me down the path of I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and that led me to coaching. Now, going, having gone through what you've gone through kind of makes you uniquely qualified to help a, a wide swath of folks, I would think, because you've kind of were involved in an entrepreneurial pursuit, you know, 
maybe before you were really ready for it. And you've kind of got all the scar tissue from corporate America. So you can really empathize for, from an entrepreneur's point of view, as well as kind of a corporate refugee's point of view. <laughs> the corporate refugee. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like to believe so. You know, when people ask me about my value proposition, uh, you know, I'm, again, sometimes long winded, long winded, but I talk about a few things. Um, first is I'm a New Yorker and I resonate with being a New Yorker, meaning I'm direct. Uh, I do speak with empathy and I did get that feedback before, which I love and allows me to cut through the bullshit. As I said earlier, so that's one. Two is yes, I have fallen flat on my face in corporate America. I've been beat up. I've been shoot out. Uh, as a 30 something year old man, I literally called my mom crying because I got let go from a job. And yet again, I was pointing the finger at myself saying, what's wrong with me? Um, so I, I've been, I've been around my own block. And interestingly enough is the people that are drawn to me are often in similar boats, meaning they are unhappy at work and they don't understand why their ideas are not being heard or explored. Um, they, they too are finding that they're working for leaders they don't respect. And this is my story. All those things are the same for me. And so, yes, I have a unique perspective. Um, I started as an entrepreneur as a young man, and, and I think you are right. I don't think I was ready for it, but life didn't really allow me to be ready. So that was it. Um, I was raised to be independent and to rely on myself to make things happen. And, and that comes out in the way I conduct myself and my coaching. But yeah, I do, I do think I'm well positioned to coach the folks that I work with. Now, um, what drew you kind of to the HR side of business um, and this career uh, counseling or career coaching? Like, what what about that kind of um, niche is what is, is what's attractive to you? So, what do you like about it? Yeah, you know, I like a lot of people. I I, I kind of stepped in HR by accident, uh, and maybe it wasn't really by accident, but in I, I want to think I think it was two thousand. Uh, I had two interviews in New York City where I was living. Uh, one was with Samuel Adams, which is a big East Coast beer brand. It's kind of like uh, fat tire out here in Denver. And uh, I had this other interview with a recruiting firm. And uh, without going into too many details, I accepted the job in the recruiting firm. And, um, and that was the start of my HR career. And how it kind of morphed is I was good at it. It allowed me to kind of drive the ship. I was autonomous. Uh, I got to play quarterback, so there was an element of control in there, which, you know, I do have a little bit of control freak in me, and uh, and I was good at it, as I said. And so you know, I went from a recruiter to leading teams. I was an HR business partner. Uh, I had a unique title at a Fortune 100 company of a talent acquisition program manager. Um, so throughout my career, I had um, both uh, had to influence with authority and also at times influence without authority. And the way that's parlayed into my entrepreneurism now is that I've learned a great deal about the job search process. So the tactics and strategies of how to go about finding jobs. I also did a lot of work with professional development. So for those people that are either gainfully employed or aren't quite sure what they want to be when they grow up, I've got a lot of coaching tools and HR tools that I can bring to the table to help folks figure that stuff out. And it all serves me very well. Um, and especially I've heard from some clients is that it does give me some validity that I'm not just some guy off the street saying I can help you find a new job or whatever it may be is that I've got that HR background and, and people value that. So it's pretty cool for me. 
Now, when you're working, are you working typically with that executive um, or maybe the middle manager that wants to level up um, or maybe that new executive that hasn't had this maybe leadership training before? Or is it a firm hires you to coach a bunch of their people? Like, what does your engagement typically look like? Yeah, it could be any of the above, um, which is a very broad stroke. What I would say is where I'm really carving out a niche is what I call the non level executives. And I use that word executive a little loosely, and, and that could be shame on me, if you will. Um, but more directly is I work with the new leader up until the leader who is not quite at that C-level or aspires to be. And, uh, and it's really good. It's, uh, it's a place that I know because that's where I played. Um, to be direct, I, I did not achieve the C-level. And you know I've not sat in the boardroom. And some people say that makes, puts me at a disadvantage to coach those folks. Um, but the mid-level folks, those are the ranks that I achieved in corporate. I relate well to them. Uh, I find that oftentimes they're quite willing to do the self-work that's required, self-reflection, contemplation, open to growth, quite frankly, exploring their emotions and how that drives their actions. And so I've really carved out quite a nice niche with middle management or those non-C-level executives. And then what what is typically the the impetus of them contacting you? Are they just frustrated? Are they, um, you know, in kind of uncharted territory? What is usually that trigger that creates that first engagement with you? It's usually multifaceted, but yes, it, it, it typically is built upon something in the frustration bucket. They're frustrated, they're annoyed, they're unhappy, they're unfulfilled. Uh, they're dissatisfied, they're stuck, they're questioning the decisions they've made about their career. And oftentimes, they're not, uh, often, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> oftentimes enough, a spouse or significant other has not given an ultimatum per se, but has said something's got to change because you, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it is, you're spending more time at work than you are at home. And the person contacting me is starting to realize that their life is out of balance. And so when they come to me, oftentimes these, you know, middle managers, non-C-level execs are gainfully employed. And the way I describe it is they want to level up. They want to be better at life and at work. And oftentimes what I'm seeing is that their own internal struggle, their own internal insecurities, um, saboteurs, if you will, are holding them back. And what I get to do is the term I like to say is I help, I help them see the forest through the trees, um, recognize who they are, what role they're playing in the outcomes of their life. And if we partner well together, I, I said oftentimes, I think 12 times now, but oftentimes we see growth in them as human beings. Their minds are more at ease. The conversations they have with themselves are more positive and the outcomes are greater performance at work, healthier relationships and their own health and wellness improves. Now, you used the word saboteur earlier. Is that something um, that the people you deal with, and maybe just humans as a whole, have some built-in saboteurs when it comes to their own behavior, their own thinking, that they, they don't see it? Maybe it's um, you know subconscious, unconscious, that they are they think they're doing the same thing, but they're kind of repeating the same mistakes over and over. And it is kind of a self-inflicted wound. One, 100%. 
Um, there is a program that has been life-changing to me that I've also gotten certified in and I get to lead others through it, which is called Positive Intelligence. Um, it's a very simple, uh, uh, very simple conceptually, and there's a practice and a structure behind it uh, without getting too detailed in, into it just at this moment is yes, what you're saying is 100% accurate. We as humans have these things, behaviors, thoughts, actions, tics, nuances, whatever you want to call them, that are typically born from something fear-based, something negative, insecurity, fear of failure, fear of being embarrassed, fear of looking foolish, fear of something. And often what we do is we have these coping mechanisms to protect ourselves. Um, and yet, these coping mechanisms are often sabotaging us in the same way it's protecting us. It sounds so bizarre to say, but it's really what happens. So yes, we all have them in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and the question becomes, are you, as one, willing to explore them and be open to what they may be doing to you? Now, can you share, obviously don't name a name, but an example of what one of these um, kind of uh, sabot saboteur, sabotage um, behaviors were with some uh, one of your clients so that, that maybe the listener can understand that this could be happening to them. To me, uh, an area to explore in this uh, under this kind of topic would be if you're making the same, or you're, you're, there's a saying that says, if you see a jerk today, you've seen a jerk today. But if you've seen a jerk every day, you might be the jerk. Um, is there anything that you can share like from your experience where you've seen a person just like, I don't know why this is happening. Every time I do this, this outcome happens. And these crazy people are all like, they don't even see that it's them that, that is at the heart of the, the problem. But it's just like, yeah. kind of like, wow, this is just, everybody's conspiring against me again. It's funny you say that. And I'm laughing because I'm going to use myself as the example. Um, I love the jerk analogy too. That's perfect. I love it. Um, in the world of positive intelligence, the names of the saboteurs are very simple. It's things like controller, stickler, pleaser, avoider, victim, um, hyperachiever, hyperrational. And there's two more that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, so these words, without even knowing the work of positive intelligence, I'm sure you and listeners can start to form what conclusions they may about those very names of saboteurs. For me, my top two are restless and controller. Now, it's also important to point out that uh, there's a 10th saboteur that we all have, and it's simply called the judge. And some people relate to it as the imposter within us, the inner critic. I've heard people call it my dark angel. I've heard it referred to as Achilles heel, whatever you want to call it. Great. Holistically, in PQ, positive intelligence, we call it the judge. Now, for me, very specifically is my judge convinced me that I was unworthy, I was not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good looking enough, and when things go wrong, of course it's my fault. And because I was coming from a place of a lack of worthiness, bottom line is I was insecure about who I was. In order to try to compensate for that, the way I showed up was I had to prove to you that I was right and that I was worthy because I had something to uh, offer a situation based upon intelligence. That was typically how I showed up. And so 
my controller would show up in the sense of give it to me, I'll do it. And I'll do it because I have to show you that I'm capable of doing it and prove it to myself as well. And that showed itself in a million different ways. Anyone who is a control freak in any way, shape or form, I'm guessing can relate. Um, uh, I'll, I have some people in my life who are pleasers. I won't name names. The pleaser often puts themselves second to you being first. And what happens is it's a beautiful thing, right? We find them very altruistic and caring and that kind of good thing. The challenge is for the pleaser is they give so much to others and put themselves second, third, fourth, that they become resentful. They bottle up their emotions. They start to have their own self-worth issues because they say, I do all this stuff for everyone else and no one does anything for me. So these are just two examples. Uh, there's many more. Um, and, uh, and, and I find that a lot of people can relate to being a pleaser, doing a lot for others, or being a controller and saying, just give it to me because I'll do it. Now, in your work, you use the phrase emotional arborist. Uh, can you explain that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing. I was working with a, with a coach who helped me with a keynote speech I was putting on. And when he asked me what I did, I told him I was a, an executive coach and he like sarcastically yawned. He's like, yeah, I know a million of those. Um, and so over time, the emotional arborist was really born because I love the image of trees. Uh, there's something about nature and tree. I'm so drawn to that image. And as I was talking to my coach about the work of positive intelligence, my love for trees, he came up with the emotional arborist. So I give him all the credit for that. And uh, depending on the setting, when someone says, hey, what do you do? I say, I'm an emotional arborist. And like Smokey the Bear, I believe only you can prevent unintentional wildfires, emotional wildfires. And if someone is like, all right, what does that mean? The story says, I get to work with clients on three things. The first is your roots. And just like a tree, we know that when you, a human being, man or woman, when your roots are strong, you feel confident, you feel secure, you feel competent, you feel happy, you feel positive. Now, just like a tree, we know that when you have really strong roots, you also need the right environment to grow. The right environment could be the right job, the right boss, the right relationship, the right house, the right physical location. We know that just like trees, when we have strong roots and the right environment, our canopies thrive. We perform great at work. We have really healthy relationships. Life is good. So as an emotional arborist, I get to work on my clients to strengthen their roots, find the right environment, and watch, watch them thrive. Now, if somebody wants to learn more, uh, get on your calendar or learn more about the different programs or coaching opportunities, what is the best way to get a hold of you? you have a website? I do. So there's, there's two ways. I am lucky enough to be the only Darren Campall on LinkedIn. And I'm quite certain uh, our family of Campalls is the only ones in the United States. My grandparents emigrated from uh, Germany and, during World War II. So Darren Campall on LinkedIn. And my website is candidcareercoaching.com. Good stuff, Darren. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate you too. Thanks a lot. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 